Welcome to The Intuitive Customer, where we discuss how you can improve your customer experience and your bottom line. And now, here are your hosts, award-winning influencer and pioneering author of seven books, Colin Shaw and Professor Ryan Hamilton from Emory University. This is new technology. Everybody agrees it's going to be transformative, even those who are a little skeptical about how and, and in what way. But then there's also this like clumsy, breathless, panicked, we don't want to get left behind. So let's just like slap this everywhere and hope that some of it works. So just like you have communication, which is about what is said, there's actually the meta-communication, as, as some academics call it, which is about how it is said. So essentially, the emotional sentiment of that interaction. It goes back to that classic computer phrase, which is garbage in, garbage out. If you've not put anything in there about emotions, then guess what? You're not going to get anything out about emotions. And you're going to go back to Zecho's book, The Big Miss. You're going to miss out on a massive opportunity. Welcome, everybody. We have Zecho on the show with us uh, today. It's a month after his uh, book launch. There it is again. It's looking a bit battered, mate, because you've been doing a lot of <laughs> interviews. I know um, over the last over the last month, it's be, you've become a very popular popular figure now. I haven't seen you on the CNN news yet, but um, maybe you'll get that way soon. I don't know. I feel a little bit a little bit of a celebrity. I have my fifteen minutes of uh, share of fame. Fifteen minutes of fame. <laughs> there you go. Appreciate yeah, you still got, being willing only... to talk to us. Like we we got you yeah. when you were humble. But uh, you're, you're sticking right. with the yeah. little people's that show, and we appreciate that. Out of his 15 minutes of fame, he's only got about 15 seconds left. So <laughs> he's decided to spend that with us. How about that? Yes. It's time to get on an exploitative reality TV show, Zetcho, while, while you still have that <laughs> little bit of fame left. So just a bit of a recap for those people that have not been aware and haven't seen the other 14 minutes of Zetcho's fame. We... Back in the lockdown, Zetcha and I were chat chatting at the first lockdown and went, what should we do with our time? And Zetcho has worked with uh, Beyond Philosophy now for 13 years. We've been doing this thing called an emotional signature, which is this research that looks at the value of emotions uh, within an organization. We've got this bloody great big database that we've never really looked at. I think it's fair to say that uh, Zetcho is Beyond Philosophy's data guy, correct? <laughs> He's <laughs> data guy, absolutely. Yes. yes. Yeah. He's, and I say, yeah, and I say that with love, Zetcho. Like, um, I've, worked, <laughs> I've worked with Zetcho a little bit uh, as I've engaged with Beyond Philosophy, and Zetcho's the guy with the answers. He is. I'm the guy with the questions. Zetcho <laughs> comes up with the answers. <laughs> Which are also important. Yes. Yes. Like, why is man on this planet? And all so those Zetcho, what, what's the answer? To that? <laughs> well, the answer is 42. He can read that from Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Oh, yes. Sorry, I interrupted you. So you gave Zetcho this monster of a database and said, do something yeah. with this. Yeah, yeah. You know, could you just go away and, and look at all this data that we've, <laughs> that we've collected since 2005 on customer emotions and tell me what what the key findings are? Anyway, long and short of it is we did a, an interview with Zetcho on his new book, The Big Miss, about a month ago. Uh, we'll obviously put a link to that in the show notes. But we wanted to get Sacho back on because there's two key things that have been sort of rumbling around my brain. 
And that is, uh, and we've talked, Ryan, haven't we, about uh, customer science, which is the sort of the interaction between or the fusion between data, behavioral science and AI. And there are two bits that I've always found absolutely fascinating, which is the role of AI in predicting emotions and that whole area. So that's what we're going to talk a bit more about today. Zacho, how's the book been going? How's how's are you pleased with the sales and interest? Yes, and everything? yes, it, it, it's very good. Um, I see a lot of positive comments on LinkedIn when I share some pieces of uh, of the research and and, and some articles. And um, actually, I have an article about AI, and you know, in the research that we look at the typical customer journey touch points. And we look at, well, how much value do each of those drive and, and where the emotions and customer relationships uh, come in, in that picture, how, how much value do those provide. And now I'm actually looking at, well, how is AI used in each of those cus- typical customer journey mapping touch points? So like the customer infinity uh, life cycle, you know, from cycle, learning yeah. about yeah. The, the brand, learning about the product, purchasing experience, all the way to retention. Great. So there's been a couple of other things that have led us to this, and then I'm going to ask Zetcho to take over. Um, But a couple of interesting podcasts that we've done recently, again, we'll put a link in the show notes to this. One is around this whole area of customer science. I'm not going to go into that in any great detail today. The second one was we did did an interview with one of your colleagues, uh, Ryan, didn't we? Which was Mm -hmm. talking about how... AI is just effectively opinions written in code. Yeah. And I really love that phrase. Yeah. So that was, uh, that was Broderick Turner from um, Virginia Tech. That's right. And, uh, yes. and yeah, he's, he's delightfully skeptical about some AI. So I, I like that we've, we've yes. had some AI boosters on the podcast to talk about that. I think that's yes. a very important perspective. I also think it's yes. very nice to check in with someone who suggests we tap the brakes a little bit and, uh, and appreciate this. So um, yeah, that podcast was was fascinating. Broderick's always entertaining to to talk to and to listen to. Yes, the question that that Zecho was was hinting at, though, I think is is the third approach. So w- when thinking about AI, I love talking about what makes it great. I love talking about some of the cautions that we need to to think about. The big question, though, is what do we do with this? <laughs> um, yes, is this new technology? Everybody agrees it's going to be transformative, even those who are a little skeptical about how and, and in what way. But then there's also this like clumsy, breathless, panicked. We don't want to get left behind, so let's just like slap this everywhere and hope that some of it works. As opposed to you saw this by the way when Web 2.0 first came out, and there was all this social media. It's like, well, we got to be there. We don't know what it's doing. Yes. We got to be there, and so a lot of brands acting in some really clumsy ways, and sometimes in detrimental ways. And I'm seeing some some same some of the same impulse around AI. But I think you know what we'll talk about with Zecho is there there are opportunities to do this intelligently, to solve actual specific problems, to be goal oriented in the way that we approach these things. So I'm I'm excited for this conversation. I think this will be really interesting because I, as somebody who's not deep into AI, I have those same questions. How do we use this new tool intelligently? What what is it good for? 
Yeah, and going back to the the title of Zecho's book, that you know, the big miss. The danger is is that what people are doing is they're building AI systems and missing the whole fact that customers have emotions and they're just yeah, treating it as if customers are just rational machines that are going to buy things in the same way as they've always done and they're not. So Zecho, perhaps you could start to talk us through the thoughts around this sort of emotion and AI. Yes, um, like you say, I think the danger is to be successful with AI and, and, and obviously it needs a lot of data and also the right data. So I'm like with those like AI, yes, you have to start looking into that and could lead to a lot of good results. But obviously you need the right data for, for it to learn. And here is the thing. Our research that we discussed in the previous podcast and the data of many other shows that emotions drive a great, well, are the, the main drivers of customer behavior and the value to organizations. And so if you, if you don't, uh, I think the danger is like if you're missing some proxies or, or, or emotional data, you may not find the, the real drivers of, of, of customer behavior. So I think this is something that people should be cognizant. And um, uh, Ryan, when you said like people are jumping, like we got to be there, it reminded me of a story and that I think is typical of, of how people approach digital transformation. So we're working with a water utility company and, and, and the guys specifically wanted to test and find that they wanted to be in social media and have channels through Facebook and Twitter and, and you name it. And they were specifically wanted to ask customers about those channels. When we started talking to customers, we found that basically a lot, uh, and, and we found that 94% of their contacts came from the uh, true phone and not through social media, right? But when we found well, what are those contacts about, so one of, a big cause for those contacts were things like my sewer is blocked. Right. <laughs> you know, you don't want to go on Facebook and, and, and Twitter and, and, and brag about those things, do you? And, and that for me is indicative of how people approach digital transformation. We gotta be there. We gotta do this thing. And I think it's it's how my, they might now repeat the same mistake with you know developing AI and machine learning things. So I think number one, they should acknowledge how emotions that emotions play a role. But the challenge with that is that there is not many data about emotions that that organizations sit on. Having said that. I'm going to tell you three good examples of, of uh, organizations that have succeeded um, with that. The first one, uh, the first one, it's called Nice Enlightened AI. Uh, I have this AI tool that is sits with the call center. And the way I came about them was kind of like all roads lead to, to Rome. I've read a number of their reports. I was at the same conferences with some of their guys. But, but what got me really into that was uh, one of their clients, which was a big U.S. bank, to talk about their AI tool. And so I dig into that and I wrote about that in, in the book. Um, and, and here's the really interesting and funny part. So their AI tool was developed based on hundreds of thousands of call center interactions with agents. And, and they found, uh, based of all these interactions, the AI tool analyzed and found the agent behaviors that leads to positive customer experience interactions. And many of those are actually identical with the research that I did and that I found that basically things that empathizing to customers, showing that you're understanding, uh, respect is one of those key emotions, actively listening uh, to customers, all those things that came from our research, 
their AI tool found that those are the key agent behaviors that, that, drive, that, that drive value. And so there, um, AI tool is, is really interesting. But, but what it's not doing is it's not an AI bot that takes over the conversation. It's actually a tool that helps agents to have a better, to have a better uh, interaction with customers and also helps coaches Instead of randomly picking a phone conversation to listen, they can now, they have a sentiment score on each call based on, and again, maybe we should explain to customers where does this sentiment score comes. So just like you have communication, which is about what is said, there's actually the meta communication as some academics call it, which is about how it is said. So essentially the emotional sentiment of that interaction. So, so their AI too can give uh, this emotional sentiment score on each interaction and, and can score it on a number of different uh, uh, variables. And so, and so their co- the coaches could go and pick up certain conversations and certain recordings and, and see what is a good or not so good thing about that and provide the coaching um, to agents. So that's, that's one really interesting thing. Another one, uh, and this is really clever, so back in the days, there was an article that in HBR that a UK mortgage company had trained their agent to, to recognize if the customer is called thinker or actor and like four different types and they should adapt their behavior and the interaction towards that customer type. Well, now you have this smart behavioral routing that can route the call to an agent the the model predicts would be the best able to handle that interactions based on the customer's characteristics and history and the agent type. So so for example, Ryan, if you call this uh, this uh, bank or so, they could route you to Colin, for example, instead of <laughs> routing you to me or or someone that, else. That sounds like a disaster. <laughs> but I understand <laughs> the point you're making. That's really cool. Right. I mean, it, I mean, what we were talking about earlier in terms of like training customers to behave in ways that are not necessarily intuitive to them, like that application suggests we might be able to, to route, you know, certain customer types to people's natural kind of tendencies or gifts, yes. which sounds kind of amazing. Yes. They so, should employ that in dating apps. What are we doing? <laughs> yeah, that would be good. Not that I've ever used them, of course. <laughs> they came a bit late for me just as the time as I started this relationship. <laughs> That's when the apps came. Can I make a suggestion that we change the subject? <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm changing now the subject. Um, so, so that was really interesting. And again, it, it shows how AI can be used to help train agents to evoke certain emotions. And, and, and again, how the AI found that emotions affect customer behavior. Now, the next one is really interesting. And again, I wrote about this company in my book. Uh, the company is called Simant. It, uh, maybe I might be mispronouncing it with my Bulgarian <laughs> pronunciation. Um, uh, I think it's a startup, if my memory is correct, it's a Canadian startup. But uh, what Colin said is the guys create a fusion between data, technology, and behavior science. This is maybe other than Amazon, this is one of those few organizations that actually do that. So the company, it's B2B, it's working with large organizations like banks, telecoms, um, and other organizations 
whose customers might be experiencing financial difficulties. But what tends to happen with most organizations is when the customer defects on a payment, that's when the organizations go and they, they typically what they do is they defer payments. But essentially, that's like kicking the can down the road. Now, what this company does is they're taking data from their client and also data from outside sources. And their AI machine learning algorithm can predict which customers are likely to fall in, in these difficulties and to, to defect on, on, on payments. And of course, what happens once a customer defects is like the call center, and particularly this is in COVID times, all organizations' contact centers are swarmed and, and, and things like that. And it's not a good customer experience for customers uh, anyway. So with this machine learning algorithm, they can predict customers. And this is where your part, your favorite part, guys, comes. They use behavior science to nudge customers towards behaviors that they could change the structure of some payments. And this is self-service, so customers could choose different options. And they also use natural language processing, NLP, to kind of see the sentiment of customer reactions to those nudges and stimuli in how customers respond to those and how they write and stuff. And so they adapt. So what they send the customer next, their behavioral algorithm changes the nature of the response depending on on customer's reaction to to that nudge and and stimuli. So I thought that's really interesting and empathetic way to use data and AI and behavioral science to create a more empathetic customer experience and and also better customer experience because it saves the the, uh, customer relationship it helps with retention. It doesn't drive costs to the contact center, and it's a better customer um, interaction. So I thought that that is a, a good way to use AI and behavioral science in, in one go. I like that. How are you going to grow your market when everyone is competing on the same things? What are your customers' unmet needs in your market? What drives and destroys most value for you? And what are you going to do first? Since 2005, we've been helping organizations answer these questions. Our unique discovery tool, the Emotional Signature, will change the way that you look at your market. Let's have an informal conversation on how we may be able to help you. To set this up, simply go to beyondphilosophy.com backslash contact. That's beyondphilosophy.com backslash contact. And we look forward to talking to you. Colin, you and I, uh, several months ago at this point, you had posted on LinkedIn asking for examples of of bad customer experience, and we shared some of those stories on the podcast. Yes. One of the, the themes that arose during that conversation was this idea that a lot of firms are replacing humans with systems um, in yes. terms of, of ways of handling things, and so it's not in, infrequent for you to run into these customer experience situations where, where the employee says, oh, I just, I can't change it. Like it's the system and, and that's the way it is. Or sometimes you don't even engage with a person yeah. and it's just the system and you're kind of up against this wall. Um, what Zetra is pointing out in that, that last example there is the opportunity to, to potentially use AI to make these systems flexible, right? So sometimes yes. a good customer experience happens when you run up against this inflexible system and there's a person there who can, navigate it for you. There's an employee there or, or who can bend the rules in order to, to fit the situation. 
when you have a rigid system that's very efficient, but it can also result in some, some real bad customer experiences on, on the margins where you just, you're kind of ground up in the machinery of that bureaucracy. Yes. So that's just pointing to this opportunity of a system which is very efficient, but then a system that has is potentially able to to flex and bend based on a lot of specific characteristics of what's going on. And that seems like the best of both worlds, potentially, which is very interesting. Yeah, and this is where I think that organizations are, uh, going back to your point originally, Ryan, I think a lot of organizations are just jumping on the bandwagon. And And again, just bear with me whilst I explain this. So again, we did a podcast based on a book you've just read called The Myth of Experience. And we'll put a link to this in the show notes. And one of the things that it talked about in there is, effectively is, do you have enough data to make a decision? Or do you think that you have enough data to make a decision? And it talked about the fact that there are kind learning environments and wicked learning environments. So a kind learning environment is where you have all this information or you have all the information that you can possibly get and you can make a good decision. A wicked learning environment is where you think you have all the information that you've got, that there is, and you're making a decision on it. The issue being that in the wicked learning environment, you think you've got all the information, but you haven't got all the information. So where does this all tie together? Where this ties together for me is that I think that organization, too many organizations are building AI systems in a wicked learning environment. Yeah. So they are building AI systems based upon what they think they understand about their customers. And if we go back to Broderick, they're building AI systems based upon their opinion. So again, go back to that quote I love from Broderick. It wasn't his quote. I can't remember whose quote was it. it was, but he did mention it. That AI is just opinions written in code. Overall, the danger is that organizations are building their AI based solely around a rational experience. Yeah. Okay and not taking into account the emotional side of things and certainly not taking into account the behavioral side of things and the nudges that Zecho is is talking about and therefore not able to do some of the things that Zecho is talking about there in terms of the nudges and being able to be based upon your behavior, being able to be put through to certain types of people, personality and segmentation and everything else. And I think that's a real problem because all it's going to do, it's going to, what's the word I'm looking for? Perpetuate the current problem. And the current problem is that everybody looks at an experience just through the lens of this human being is an automaton that's going to make logical decisions. And everybody that listens to this podcast knows that we believe that that's not the case and we actually make weird decisions. So I think the issue really is that these organizations need to embrace that emotional side and the behavioral science side to be able to fully understand what and why their customers are doing things. And my worry is that organizations aren't. It's as simple as that. Yes. Yeah. 
it, it's funny. Uh, it, it's coming up with a 10-minute explanation to say it's as simple as that after 10 minutes of talking straight. So. <laughs> it was more compelling, though, after you did. I, I think that there are at least two sources of, of bias that go underappreciated by people who are not well-trained in, in artificial intelligence. So that it seems like magic to people who don't don't understand kind of the mechanics of it. Like, oh, artificial intelligence just going to organically turn into a like a, a human level intelligence all on its own. We don't need to worry about it. One of those sources of bias is the one that, that Broderick was talking about, which is kind of the way that the algorithm set up. There's just, there's bias inherent in that because it's created by people. And so we're going to overemphasize certain things, even, even what's measured and what's optimized on. These rules tend to be built into the algorithms themselves. The other is the, the one that I think Colin was, was emphasizing just now, which is the sources of data that are used to feed the algorithm. Like we've all heard that story about an artificial intelligence bot that was created and then fed on Twitter data and then turned into a misogynist Nazi almost immediately. <laughs> um, why? There wasn't a problem with the algorithm. The algorithm was just yeah. designed to like suck in Twitter data and then figure out the rules of creating tweets um it was yes. just fed on this toxic soup of the worst of humanity yes. and yes. so the tweets yes. it started creating were terrible and they had to kill the bot immediately less extreme examples of that happen when you feed your your ai engine on data that doesn't include in this case emotions you know or anything related to that like now we're getting a a, a version of a bot that's optimized based on the data that it had. And it grew in, in that way, but it's, it's missing a part of the story. In essence, it goes back to that classic computer phrase, which is garbage in, garbage out. Yeah. Yes. If you've not put anything in there about emotions, then guess what? You're not going to get anything out about emotions. And you're going to go back to Zecho's book, which is, you know, the big miss, you're going to miss out on a massive opportunity. <laughs> Emotions aside, there's an interesting Aberdeen report that also uh, compares the results of organizations that focus, that use AI uh, and machine learning, but it's mostly focused on, on saving costs. So kind of like creating these bots for finance and other interactions, which is fine if, that, if this is uh, what you want to do and you can save costs, that, that's good. But that Aberdeen report also shows that organizations that achieve better results and grow faster and achieve a better ROI from that uh, AI machine learning are actually focused on growth and, and deepening customer relationships. So not just on saving costs, but, but uh, creating better relationship with customers or improving something in, in the sales or, or retention. And, and that is interesting. As we discuss about the future and you, you talk about these bots, an interesting story that I read comes from Ogilvy Consulting, which in Vietnam created an AI avatar based on a celebrity. So kind of like the celebrity uh, picture, but it's an AI. And that AI was able to sift through hundreds or millions of social media posts like in Facebook and so on and find the right places to interject uh, with, with some comments and, and position the, the product. And they achieved some success with that, improve a little bit the market share and things like that in Vietnam. So that got me thinking. And the other thing that I saw the other day was someone posted uh, a post saying like, our brand mascots dead. And actually, I think with AI, 
and, and maybe something to interject as well in my book, I write like, for example, organizations that don't have customer service or direct interactions with customers, one of the ways to form an emotional connection is through the brand, whether it's brand advertising focused on emotions or something about shared values and I think, but connection there. I think, and we know there are avatars, how they're easily recognizable. So think of like Aflax, Doug or Michelin Man for Michelin. So this is what I told that the future of these brand interactions with customers at scale is through is by giving personality to these brand mascots. And this personality could engage with customers' um, um, emotions and, and based on shared values or showing the values that the organization has or creating this some sort of humorous or something emotional connection with, with customers. So I think... I think that would be an interesting future where brands could use AI in, in this area and in this fashion. Yeah, I love that. Sure. No, that's really good, Jacho. Let me ask you a question as we bring this to a close. Anybody listening to this going, yeah, this is totally right. What should people do other than go and buy your book, obviously? <laughs> Yes. Well, my goal for this year was really to find a partner that can help us to... So we all believe that AI is the future. There's a phrase that I like, AI won't replace human managers, but human managers that use AI will replace those that don't use. (laughs) I've been working uh, this year to find a partner um, uh, that can help us go and guide some organizations as to what they could do with AI. And one of the things we came up with, it's called the Magic Wand Workshop, which is the first step of coming like, well, what can we do AI and come up with with certain things and then um, rank order them, think about potential ROIs, and then the guys can do a roadmap of technology and other things that needs to be in place in order to actually do that. But I think it, it first starts with some blue sky thinking about, well, what data do we have? And what data do we need in the future to use AI and to create the experience that we want to create and start to set some, uh, uh, start to get the pieces together? Maybe it won't happen uh, today, but over time, they should prepare for, for, for that. Great. Good. Okay. And if people want to find out some more about you, we'll obviously put a link for the uh, book in the show notes. I guess people can go to Beyond Philosophy website as well uh, how else should they get hold of you Zecho? sure well they could follow me on linkedin where i write a lot of uh, articles about customer experience and uh, lately about ai uh, they can also find me on the beyond philosophy website with the team members and they can contact me through there so uh, lots of options great good all right. Well, congratulations again on the book, mate. I hope your uh, 15 minutes of fame uh, continues <laughs> the half an hour. Thanks for not forgetting about us, Joe. Thank you. We uh, look forward to talking to you. Um, uh, well, we look forward to talking to our listeners uh, next week. Okay. Cheers, everybody. Okay. Thank you, you. guys. Bye-bye. This has been The Intuitive Customer with Colin Shaw and Professor Ryan Hamilton. But it doesn't end here. Just go to beyondphilosophy.com slash podcast to find all of our shows, access free tools and resources, and subscribe, won't you? That way you'll never miss a show. That's beyondphilosophy.com slash podcasts. 
We look forward to talking with you next time on The Intuitive Customer. 